Hey man, why so glum? Ugh, it's lunchtime. I'm bored. My Facebook feed is nothing but cats and babies. Didn't you know that Lunch with Jim and Aaron is on? No, what? Yeah, they get on camera and gab with people about TV, life, whatever. Okay, I'm on it. Not to mention live streams of all their instant and full podcasts. Plus, they have ad-free feeds so you'll never hear me make this pitch again. That's great. I never want to hear this again. Shut up. Take my money. Get over to patreon.com slash baldmove to get access and help support free and independent podcasting. Okay! Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 6, entitled Peekaboo. Uh, I really like this episode a lot. I, th- I think this is one of the, the better episodes of the series. It's okay. It's alright. It's, it's, it's fine. It's a nice bridge episode. Okay. What, uh, what did you really think of the episode? I, it's it's taken a while. Like the, 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 the bald moon machinery is slowly grinding back to life after it's been dormant mm-hmm. for a week. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, it's as I, I talk about this show on the podcast, I, I, I talk about like several firsts. Like when I first saw this episode, but I remember clearly when I first saw this episode, this thing really fucked me up. And I don't know why, but I feel like that a show or a television series or movie doesn't achieve greatness until it like you really get all the, the gamut of of the emotional experience that's what separates like something that does something exceptionally well like the fast and furious franchise <laughs> from from breaking bad right uh-huh. I mean, there's lots of things well but, yeah yeah <laughs> but that's like one note or you know crank it's one note played really really well yeah or breaking bad and you know another show like the wire there's every once in a while an episode to come by to just make you just want to sit on the couch and think about life and count your blessings and mm. and why you know you're so fortunate to grow up the way you did and this this Aaron Paul uh aided and embedded by the twins uh Dylan and Brandon Carr who are the, the plays the redheaded unnamed child it's just bad because you know that out there in the world today in this very country there are kids growing up in this type of environment and it's almost like sure too real but that's one of the reasons why breaking bad's great because just every once in a while they'll throw a haymaker at you like this uh spoiler alert i know we don't we don't we don't usually traffic in spoilers but this will will not be the last time (laughs) that it punches you in the gut okay so i and it's it's one of the first times that you really saw aaron paul as someone other than the goofball wannabe gangbanger meth mm-hmm. head idiot. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking that watching this episode, how much of this season is actually about uh, Jesse as opposed to Walt. I mean, I don't know how many people know this, but Jesse wasn't supposed to even make it to season two. Yeah, we haven't talked about this since. Uh, yeah, and see, so I don't. I've heard conflicting reports. Like at the time, it seemed like the conventional wisdom was the writer strike saved Jesse. That okay. if there was a 13 full episodes that they would have carried through their plot and, you know, they would have had the breathing space to kind of step back and be like, oh, wow, this Aaron Paul guy is really good. And, you know, 
But I've heard since then that Vince Gilligan, like er- early on when he started seeing the test footage and stuff, is like, nah, I'm not done with this kid. Mm-hmm. So the and that, that's I don't know if that's a George Lucas thing where in hindsight he's saying, oh yeah, I, I saw this and. Or yeah. whether you know it, 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 they needed the writer strike to take a year off to kind of reflect and see what they actually had here. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's hard to imagine Breaking Bad without the duality of Walt and Jesse at this point. Oh yeah, yeah, and I think you know it really shows that. I feel like I lean more towards the he was impressed by Aaron Paul and decided we're going to do more with him because this season is so much more about Jesse, sure, and Walt. I mean, he not has his just own Walt. own arc that goes in parallel to to yeah to walt and and we also know that this is the scene this is the single episode single season rather that the villigan and his writers kind of plotted meticulously from start to finish all 13 episodes and you can kind mm-hmm. of see their strands weaving back and forth to each other and kind of reflecting yeah. each other and that's the point that i think uh aria over at cereable made really well in this episode that you know if if walter white's story is about decay and transformation then Jesse's is about growth in complexity and maturation. Yeah, we definitely see him growing uh, yeah. from, you know... <laughs> I, I just always think of that scene where Walt's going to buy the uh, the RV, mm-hmm. and Jesse's just like, I, I, you're some old man, like, what am I trusting you for? Like, right. he's come a long way since then, and I I think it shows. And I think that's it's it goes... You, you can see... In this episode, particularly, there are different approaches to violence. Like at this stage, both of them are horrified by acts of violence. Mm-hmm. But Jesse, uh, you know, gets older and wiser, and you know, allows these things to feel, you know, to to motivate him, and he feels them deeply. Whereas Walt becomes more and more detached from his humanity, yeah, and more and more just, you know, crawls in his own justifications and up his own. Oh man, and self righteous asshole. Such a good scene, such good scene in this episode that we'll get to uh, that focuses on that. Yeah, are you talking about the Gretchen? I am. Yeah, I was blown away by that scene. Incredible. Incredible. And I have a take that I think you'll probably disagree. It'll make for good podcasting. We'll see. Okay. All right. Uh, I have I have a lot to say on that scene, and I have a lot to say on Flynn this episode too. Ah, so we'll get there. Give RJ his uh, his due. Yeah. So let me drop some background information. This is written by Jay Roberts and Vince Gilligan. Uh, of course, you know we all know Vince. Mm-hmm. Jay Roberts has only three screen credits to his name. They're all uh, season two Breaking Bad at seven thirty seven bit by B and Pe- Peekaboo. Okay. Uh, so again, it's one of those things where I don't know where he came from. I don't know where he went. I <laughs> but don't we're know. done with him. Now, this episode is last. We're I, done. I, I don't know what shadowy cabal of writers that Vince pulls these guys out of. Mm-hmm. But uh, there he is. It's directed by Peter uh, Medic, who is a Hungarian-born director that came to the United States. And he's hmm. done a lot of television, a lot of movies. The stuff that you uh, would be familiar with uh, recently is, of course, Breaking Bad. He did uh, Carnival, two episodes of The Wire, um, an episode of House, some Sex in the City, Hannibal, uh, most recently in 2013. Hmm. So once again, you got you got Vince Gilligan, his secret cabal of writers, and an experienced director. And then his, his you know, the knife in his boot, which is Kelly Dixon, yeah, who does a hell of a job this episode. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but there's like a couple of shots with like Jesse spinning the barrel of that gun and mm. like some quick cuts that she does that I really appreciated. 
she helps a lot too. And here I think that you see the benefits of a talented crew of directors and writers uh, dealing with child talent. Yeah. And, you know, they're aware of what kind of range you can get out of a three-year-old or a four-year-old. And they're aware, and, and that's that awareness comes out in the writing, and it mm-hmm. comes out in the performance. Like, if you look, I actually think these two kids, um, Dylan and Brandon, which I'll talk a little bit more, we actually met them yeah. in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they did a great job, but one of the reasons I think that is because everything was well within their wheelhouse. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I would believe, like, some of those really great moments you got of him just watching television, they might have filmed them for 15 minutes and just, like, I need the three seconds of this particular old man reaction mm-hmm. to this scene and wait until they're at the right moment of boredom or whatever to get it. And that's what you got to do. You can't give a kid Shakespeare and have them doing all this emoting and high drama. And, then, you know, <laughs> uh, and they know sure. that. That's what you got. You know, you can't have a dog... Uh, uh, fire an assault rifle. You can't have a child. You, you <laughs> That's what CG's for. <laughs> you can't have a child engage in like these really deep pathological storylines. And I sure, think sure. that uh, Vince uh, knows that, and so do his writers, and his director knows what to what to get out of it. So, All not right. to make any overt comparisons to other shows, but sure, just a, sure. an idle point I'd like to make. <laughs> Uh, why don't we talk about the episode? Get into the recap, yeah? Sounds like a good idea. Okay, we start out with Jesse on the street corner. He is kind of playing with this beetle, and he's, he seems like he's having a good time. He's smiling at this beetle, and then Skinny Pete comes up, squashes it, and then tells Jesse who robbed him. This is a direct, address. direct callback to last episode, Hank's meditation on what you do with cockroaches. Okay, sure. I mean, I, I figured, like... Contrast Hank to Jesse, and mm-hmm. even Jesse to Skinny Pete. You know, most people see this and they're like, "Oh, bug, squash it." You know, Jesse is kind of uh, engages his uh, childhood like wonder, which works well in this episode where he gets to meet this kid. Yeah, and I, th- I think it shows that he has, you know, a softer side to him that most of the people in this operation do not have, um, and that you know he has kind of a soft spot for vulnerable things mm-hmm. for vulnerability yeah um because I, I feel like he himself feels like that a little bit he also that um you know spooge at the end he gets squashed like a cockroach yes we yeah. they've they've made the conscious decision to link the criminal element to cockroaches mm-hmm. and we see kind of jesse's i, I wouldn't say horror or even annoyed. I, what where was his reaction when exasperation when skinny p uh-huh. Or like, oh man, I don't know what that what you would call that reaction. There's got to be a German word for it, I'm sure. Probably. It's a yes. mile long, uh-huh. includes like 16 different emotions all jammed uh-huh. together. But I, I thought it was interesting how that was a kind of foregleam of what we got when, when Spooge's head got yeah. popped. No, definitely. They, they book in the episode nicely with that. And I think a lot of people are going to probably write in and tell you, it's not a cockroach. It's a beetle. I know, it's a beetle. It's a beetle. <laughs> it's a beetle. <laughs> we know that. But it's it's artistic license. Yeah, cockroach is longhand for beetle. And just like you know, we had the episode last uh, or the the instance of the walking stick, which I said is a cockroach uh-huh. in disguise. Yeah, I mean it's you know sometime a bug is just a bug, but I don't think you can ignore the symbolism when yes, you've got all these allusions to insects in this in this uh, episode for sure. Uh, so Jesse gets high 
in the car. He's got the address, um, found the house, and he gets he gets his gun. He heads up to the porch where Spooge lives and uh, just kind of hangs out there for a second. Um, and then the, the theme kicks in, and then we come back, and he's practicing his speech, psyching himself up. The, the postman comes to the door. Postwoman comes to the door. Uh, I mean, this is just a whole, like, series of things. He goes inside. He looks around. It's a, it's a meditation on, like, if you put an average person in the role of, like, a Tony Soprano thug, mm-hmm. what the real life of just rolling up out of the blue on an yeah, afternoon, yeah. how that would go. And I think that's the, you know, Jesse's psyching himself up for the wrong stuff. Like, you know, the face-to-face confrontation <laughs> with the bad guy. He wants to look like Clint Eastwood okay, when he shows corral. up. Yeah. And, and how, I, I like how the way he's doing it is kind of like, you know, an actor rehearsing his lines. Uh-huh. Like, you know, where's my money, bitch? Where's my money, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> my, bitch money. my money, where is it, bitch? He's trying all these different ways to do it in different inflections. Uh-huh. And I think that that was probably a lot of fun for Aaron Paul to do. Oh, probably. But, I, I I thought it would be fun. And I wonder how much of that, although I I asked um, uh, SMQ, Stephen Michael Cosada, Gomi, at the Breaking Bad Fest, how much of, like, just your wise-ass uh, dialogue with, with Hank was just made up or improvised. And yeah. Like, none of it. Yeah. It's, like, 100% script. And some of this stuff where he was, like, going on, it's like, I'm going to bury you. I'm crazy. I'm mucho loco. And... <laughs> I wondered if that was just Aaron Paul running out his mouth, but it sounds like everything everything comes off the page. Yeah, yeah, potentially. But it just gets weirder and weirder because, you know, he hears the sound, he pulls a gun on the toddler, and the toddler's reaction is not like, oh, my God, there's a strange man in my house with a gun. It's <laughs> that just... kind of makes sense. It's a flop house, right? It's like I could see there being people going in and out of this place yeah. all day long, strangers. yeah. And the kid's probably used to it by now. Like, this kid's not, Mommy, Daddy, where are you? I'm. Home. It's just, I'm going to turn on the Home Shopping Network and flop down yeah. and uh, start watching it. And my God, the house is just a wreck. At one point, Jesse picks up a leg, like a fake prosthetic leg. Yeah, so something Arya noted was that there. this house is littered with um, inhalers, rescue inhalers, and yeah, a prosthetic yeah. limb, signs of weakness. Mm-hmm. Which, do you think that's a conscious effort on Vince Gilligan to put us in this mental space where it's it's going to be Jesse confronting uh, something in a, in a obviously weakened state? Or do you think this was just throwing a bunch of weird shit into a flop house? Uh, I, I could buy that there's a lot of symbolism in this because, like I said, the, we start off with the Beatle, and that is definitely a symbol of Jesse and his personality and how he feels about these things. Sure. Um, so, yeah, if you told me that Vince Gilligan put those inhalers on the set, I would not be surprised. Okay. Uh, n- not one bit, actually. All right. So, anyway, the kid is watching the shopping channel. It's the only channel they get. Jesse tries to, tries to change it. Which might possibly be the most depressing thing. Yeah. Although, yeah. I, I'll, so I, I'll, I also have wondered if... Like, Jesse didn't know how those dials worked. Did you ever have a television <laughs> with the twin dials? Sure. There was the UHF and the VHF. If you wanted to get... UHF is where Mr. Rogers hung out. Okay. You always had to turn the VHF dial to the UHF and then go to the secondary dial and start uh-huh. tuning that stuff in. It was this bizarre Rubik's Cube of uh, television watching. Yeah. Do you think he just didn't know what the score was? Or Yeah, I think he only tries that one dial. And then, yeah. You're not going to so. find Mr. Rogers on the VHF channel. <laughs> you find nothing else, I guess. 
But that's like that's a weird thing about like the high def thing is that if you got a television now that doesn't have one of those boxes, you don't get shit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wonder, like you know, there, there's another one of those like sad moments, like how many little kids because their parents are drug addicts and haven't gone to Radio Shack to get the twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. Twenty dollar box need just don't don't have any television now. Sure, probably a ton of them. Yeah, uh, I I also thought while watching this episode that this maybe um, is Jesse kind of observing what he's doing and how it affects people mm. um, in in a certain way. I mean, it's one thing to say okay, Spooge, and I'm I'm gonna call her Skank because that's what she's called throughout the episode. She's credited on IMDb as Spooge's woman. All right, Skank. So. I'm going to call her Skank <laughs> I think you're safe to call her that. Uh, so he sees those two. That's one thing. Seeing the kid is an entirely different thing. That's that's collateral damage that Jesse probably wouldn't think about. Yeah. Uh, unless he was presented and confronted with it. And I think that's part of what this episode is doing, too. Mm-hmm. So it, it probably gets the wheels turning in his head as well. Right. Did you notice that... Uh... Uh, on the ho- the home shopping network that they're advertising knives, and did you see the name yep. of the sale? Huh. It's Steel Knockout! Exclamation <laughs> point. Which, okay. uh, you know, if he gets knocked out by what, like a crowbar or something at the end, yeah, and then something. menace with the knife. Mm-hmm. Like, if if these meth addicts had one shred of attention span, Jesse never makes it out of this episode, right? Well. Yeah, so I have a couple of problems with the way everything goes down here, but we'll talk about that once we get to uh, Spooge and Skank. Okay. Anyway, we go back, we go to uh, Skylar. She's in her house, and she gets a call from Gretchen, who um, she then calls back and says, thank you for paying Walt's treatment and all that, and says how grateful she is, and then Gretchen is kind of confused by that, and so she decides, as we see later, to stop by um, that afternoon. While Walt is out teaching. Also, like how they use Marie's voicemail a lot in, in the series as a way to kind of establish what's going on. Uh huh. Like in her, it's like shorthand for her and Skylar's relationship. Here we learn the information that Walt, this is Walt's first day back at school because he's done with this treatment and yada yada. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, she, uh, Gretchen is in total what the fuck mode. Yeah. As you, as you would be. That's a very confusing thing. And she's, She's driving a Bentley because, of course, she would drive a Bentley. Yeah, why not? Super rich. Living up in Santa Fe. Uh, so Walt's teaching his class about carbon and also about the man who invented the diamond. Uh, and he tells them, you know, about how much money that Dr. Hall, who's the, the diamond inventor, made for GE and how a little gratitude they showed him. Uh, and, and Carmen comes in and kind of sees this happening. This is kind of an important point for Walt, right? Um, just the idea that Walt is less than satisfied with the amount of respect he's been given over the years. And I feel like coming back to work, the amount of respect he's going to be given. What? Oh, that's like just the disrespect that teachers are shown in general as far as reward. So that's work. That's all like subtext, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. What did you think of his? It's like he was telling the story and he didn't. The way Cranston played this was like he, he Walt, didn't realize the significance to himself until he finished it. It's like, you know what his reward is? A $10 U.S. savings bond. He was like one of those things. I was like, ha, ha, ho. Yeah, you know? yeah, like this stuff is just leaking out of his head. This resentment is just kind of yeah, it's like coming through in everything he got caught up in like, it's, it rattled him in like, front oh, of the class. Hmm. Like, oh, shit, that's, that's me with this goddamn yeah, gray matter I, deal. Yeah, I think you're right about that. 
for sure. Um, he, he's definitely wrestling with those issues. Uh, th- there's a lot of thanks and, and gratitude and stuff in this episode. Um, I mean, Skylar's, you know, showing her gratitude toward Gretchen. Not sure what all that means, but it seems like there's a, a smaller theme running through this as well. Um, anyway, so Carmen and Walt sit down and have a small discussion here. And she says that he can basically come to her with any problems he has and that she's, you know, uh, concerned about him and all that stuff. And what do you, watching this thing, this interaction, what did you think the nature of their relationship was? Uh, principal teacher relationship. (laughs) So, so really you didn't get any flirtatiousness from this. No, not really. Really? Not really. Huh. I mean, obviously it's not something that like, you know, Walt would just like throw his mouth on her on his mouth on her mouth. <laughs> but there was and maybe it's just the awkwardness of the situation itself, like this guy's back from cancer and he's bald now and you're making the small talk, but it 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 was played and I think that that's one thing that they do great, how they walk this this tightrope of possibilities that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. where there's just enough there that you think maybe, maybe there is an opportunity for Walt to be unfaithful. Maybe this thing where the alternate cell phone, and they kind of play with that with the Gretchen thing later on, where where Walt seems like preemptively defensive about him spending alone time with Gretchen, uh-huh. uh, that I thought was interesting. And sets up some some interesting possibilities down the line, but I, I thought Did very clearly was... they were setting up that possibility because even Walt seemed to be like, "What's going on here?" Which which side did you think the flirtation was coming from? Was it from Carmen or was it from Walt? No, both, Walt was or... just Walt was just like, "Is what's happening? What I think is happening? What is happening? What's he was kind of confused. I don't." So is is Carmen the kind of woman who goes chasing after guys who are probably going to die soon? No, <laughs> like, I mean it doesn't she make turned sense. On by that? It doesn't make sense, but it does does seem that she was a, being a little bit flirty, and I could okay. be hmm. way off, <laughs> and, and I probably am. I, I'm uh-huh. just saying that that's what on my. I remember the first time I watched it, thinking that I don't know why. You know why his being cancer riddled would make him more attractive? <laughs> I I think you're right. There's some tension in there, but I don't think it's sexual tension. I think it's just the awkwardness of you know him being back. Is he feeling better? Is he okay? Uh, how do I need to approach this situation? But I don't think I'm crazy for seeing some of this because I think uh, Brian Cranston's portrayal is because he's kind of like looking down at his side with his mouth slightly open. Is kind of <laughs> like he's he's spinning the wheels. I mean, huh. I, I don't think... Do you think that Walt even given a chance to cheat on Skyler? <sighs> Let me say... No, I mean, if he does that, even he would have to step back and realize, I'm no longer doing this for my family. Well, plus, I think he genuinely loves Skyler. I think so. I think yeah. Skyler is kind of like the love of his life. Yeah, and his personality would have to be so corrupted by this, the, the money and the drugs and all this stuff to change him fundamentally. In order for him to do that, I think. Right. So, no, I don't think that there was anything come from his side. I just, you know, and again, totally could be off base. But I I think that um, we're supposed to at least think about the possibility. And that's, you know, if nothing else, Brian Cranston's performance says that, that we're supposed to have that kind of in the back of our mind. Hmm. Okay. Uh, So they walk outside, um, Walt Jr. and Walt. 
uh, after school, and they go to the car, and they see uh, a missing flyer that's been modified to uh, make fun of the, the naked fugue state. Missing missing my pants. <laughs> yeah, missing my pants. Uh, it says, like, help, I'm buck naked or something like sure, that. Sure, sure. Uh, I thought that was really funny. And, mm-hmm. and like... <laughs> Looking at that, I can only imagine that Brian Cranston had a tough time not smiling <laughs> when it's your own picture on the thing and it's been modified. I don't know. I think one of his greatest strengths is his ability to deadpan through everything. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes they can't though. I've seen the outtakes. You know, oh, have you? It's like because that's not thing, for like, this scene, oh, but for oh, other scenes. Oh yeah. well, I'm just saying because uh, I have too, and I feel like the Cranston's the one that usually when he in, when it when when he needs to sell a joke, he is like an Iron Man. Like, that's one of his comedic gifts is yeah. that he, he doesn't corpse very often. I think you're right. It's mostly other people cracking up. Right. And him making other people crack yes. up. Like, he will be the butt of a joke. Yes. He will instigate a He, he a will come out fit. with his balls hanging out, uh-huh. completely stone-faced, and yep. not be the first person to crack. And even when everyone else is cracking, he still maintains his <laughs> stone face because he knows in this room there's still a laugh or two to be mined from, mm-hmm. from my, my stone face. Yep. And my exposed balls. You're That's right, the kind right. of guy that Cranston is. <laughs> uh, I, I noticed something interesting. So on the way out, this th- a kid calls Junior Flynn. Says, sure. hey, Flynn. I, and I thought, as I was watching, I thought Walt was going to take the bait there and be like, what's, doesn't. What's, what's, what's this Flynn stuff? You know, in the way that should, Walt kind of does. I think they're making I would. an obvious connection here. So this is the thing that I feel like I've discovered and have had an epiphany about Flynn. Oh, okay. Uh, in the second watch through, because the first watch through, season two, I just blitzed right through. I was uh-huh, trying to sure. catch up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I think the reason the junior calls or tells his friends to call him Flynn is because he is embarrassed by what Walt did. With the fugue state. You're right. The Flynn thing kind of And they happens. make that obvious connection right here. That is a really great point. And Nobody I ever calls him Flynn until after the fugue state. I think you're 100% right. Okay. And I'm... <laughs> I mean, the point I wanted to make was, like, if my son... He's not even named after me. Mm. Uh, we talked about the hu- this special type of hubris it takes for that. Yeah, right. But if he just, like, decided one day he wanted to be named, known as Jamie... You'd be like... Why? It might not be accusatory or like, you know, it's like, what, the name I gave you isn't good enough? You son <laughs> no, of a... No, no. It would have been yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. like, what's up with that? Like, you're uh-huh. my son. I love you. I'd like to know what's going on in your head kind of thing. Do you not like your name? Yeah. Like, what? Like, what why why Jamie and not Michael or whatever? Uh-huh. But yeah, he's... The fact that, that this clearly bothers Walt and he doesn't... Doesn't directly address it. I think it's perfectly in character for him. Oh, yeah, totally. Because he's the he's master oblivious. of like, you know... Not just oblivious, because he definitely knows it and doesn't like it. It's more... Yeah, yeah. He can't figure out a way to be passive-aggressive in confronting it, right? Yeah. No, you're right. He doesn't want to confront it head-on. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, okay, so Jesse gives the kid some food, uh, the peekaboo kid. Can I just call him peekaboo? Sure, why not? Because he plays peekaboo with him in this scene. Um, and then Spooge and Skank come home, and Jesse jumps him, hits him with the, the gun, and kind of holds him hostage there for a second i thought jesse is very powerful in the scene Uh like aaron paul is like using his daddy voice and has really cowed these people and it's 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 you know you go from the guy nervously rehearsing this and he's just got it down cold and that the the problem is is that slowly erodes throughout the episode oh god does it ever and eventually even the junkies know that this guy is a paper tiger 
Yeah. And uh, take advantage of him. But, like, he is acting the part. Yeah, his body language, too. I was noticing um, while watching this how he kind of, he's leaning toward them with this gun. He's not he's not kind of back on his heels here. He's up on his toes. Right. Ready to pounce on him. Uh, then Walt, Walt and uh, Junior are driving home, and they're talking about ways to get back at the, the flyer culprit. And then they get to their house, and Walt sees Gretchen's car in the driveway. Right. Which uh, has, has him a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, it's, been, it's great. They have this... Uh, the, my, my second time through the series, I see what a genius they are of using... Um, you know, we talked about in our Godfather podcast, where there's this genius note in the Godfather 2, where there's this big confrontation between Fredo and his brother Michael... And it's interrupted by a perfectly natural occurrence, a waiter going to fill their glasses. Yeah, but yeah. it gives them like 20 seconds to naturally just mug at each other. Uh-huh. Absent the waiter, it would just look like a Mexican soap opera. Or <laughs> just like they're just, you know, dramatic music playing and they're just eyeballing each other yeah, yeah. with extreme close-ups going back and forth. <laughs> uh, the Bentley being in the parking lot, or mm-hmm. not the parking lot, the driveway, and Walt Jr., as a teenage boy, naturally just like, wow, sweet ride, and walking around it. Yeah, yeah, Gave yeah. time for Brian Cranston to just be like flop flop around like a fish out of water without it being weird uh-huh and that's like that's the really subtle parts of storytelling and writing that i think separate the truly greats from the also rands yeah you're like, right it, like, it makes it feel more natural like i i, I want to give this spotlight showcase moment it would feel like a spotlight showcase moment but i'm going to introduce something as a distraction to the audience to make you not aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's I feel like that would be something that's difficult to write but kind of easy to do on set during during the filming. Yeah. Like say, okay, when we're blocking out shots, we're you know, the we, we want you to walk around this car um and say how sweet it is and your dad's just going to be doing whatever. Can't really write that or I wouldn't think you could write that. Right. Do you so what did you make? Let's talk about Dylan and Brandon Carr, the, the little boy here. Mm-hmm. We met them in uh, Albuquerque. What did you make of them? Like they wait, where? What scene are we in? We're we're just saying that we're just exiting the. I mean, well, they they go inside I'm not, and all. I'm this not stuff saying first. about in okay. the episode. I'm just talking about them as people. <laughs> okay, uh, like this weird thing that they were. I mean. You can they tell were, they haven't done a lot of press. They mm-hmm. didn't understand things like you know they they did a surprise thing where they ambushed me in the uh, the uh, costume contest where they just walked out on stage. Uh-huh. And you know, it's, of course, I knew who they were, and I talked about you know, and I made some riffs on their performance. And they're just like I met them afterwards backstage, and they're just blown away. Like, how did you know about this? Like, huh. well. You were in one of the top. I, I'll say Peekaboo, maybe a top five episode. I mean, I don't have like an exhaustive list, but certainly in season two, it Oof. sticks out. Yeah, it does. Among a lot two. of really great episodes as being a, a a series defining moment. And you're here at a Breaking Bad festival, and of yeah. course, everyone, yeah. everyone is going. If they don't know your names, they're going to know your faces, and they're going to want to play Peekaboo with you and all this other stuff. But it's like, what a weird experience for them. Yeah, it felt to me like they were pretty normal kids. Yeah. Like, like may- maybe they're not, like, sheltered from this stuff, but they're definitely, like, they have a normal life at home. It's mm-hmm. not like they're actor kids. Yeah, and they really liked Aaron Paul, and he was really cool. 
Yeah. But, you know, they haven't been connected. They haven't watched the show. Mm-hmm. They haven't even watched uh, the episode that they're in. Yeah, that's obviously. probably not appropriate. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, but I just thought that was really cool how mm-hmm. they're just completely... I mean, I was thinking about my son... Or this guy, it's I'm reading Harry He's Potter. He's roughly the same age as they are. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Right? Um, yeah. and I'm I'm reading the first Harry Potter t- to my son right now. He's mm-hmm. one of his Christmas presents, and one of the one of the things interesting things is that Harry Potter's famous in the Wizarding world. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't know it. He grows up to like he's the age of eleven before he finds out he's a wizard. But like random people and funny looking cloaks would come up to him in the street and like shake his hand. Okay, it's like one of those like like these guys are having a Harry Potter experience where like you know they're just normal kids and every once in a while a Breaking Bad and and the mother mentioned that yeah that it's not really cool if they're out and having dinner to just be like come up and because they that's that's not what these kids experience is yeah uh, but they. They seem to really enjoy their little celebrity at the at the fan fest. I thought that yeah, was cool. They're having fun. Uh, Walt's not having fun though. He goes inside and he greets uh, Gretchen, who makes it apparent that she has not told Skylar anything, which relieves Walt a little bit. And then she leaves, and Walt follows her out and asks her uh, if they can talk soon. And Gretchen just kind of drives away. Sure. Oh, you know, did we we glossed over the scene of Walton uh, Walt Junior talking about their revenge fantasy. Yeah, the scorpions and the, the ant hills and uh-huh. the hoods and the deserts. Yep, that's kind of intriguing. Yeah, I tried to figure out what film that was from because they actually did that on Sons of Anarchy as well. I think. Yeah. Um. So a lot of people, I think, are pulling from these old westerns. Sure. I I don't know what film that's from. It's probably some Sam Peckinpah thing. Yeah, that... it's probably like <laughs> the, the wild most famous bunch. of the famous sure wa- uh, western films. Sure. But I don't watch a lot of them, so don't know it. Anyway, I've seen every every uh, important western since 1990. <laughs> okay, which is like two. Yeah, I was like, you got Unforgiven, you got uh, Tombstone, uh, you got like yeah. 310 to Yuma. <laughs> You've got the one with uh, when Leonardo DiCaprio was a kid. Uh, what? <laughs> it's a comedy. Uh, that's not shit. important. I know. Or probably know, even a western. That was the point. Back to the Future 3? Yes, <laughs> I've seen Back to the Future 3. <laughs> you gotta throw that in the list. Marty! <laughs> you gotta get on the train! Uh, uh wanted to make this into a period piece. Yeah. Terrible, terrible idea. Is it? Yeah, no, it, it's a bad movie. Do you want to turn this into the Back to the Future? No. What? It's a, ba- it's... It's a bad movie. Yeah, it's easily the worst of the Back to the Futures. Okay. And... And is it, it like an, it's not even re- a standalone good movie. Oh wow! Yeah, I don't like. That I had movie no much at all. idea. Do I not no like idea. that. Movie. I think I think uh, Back to the Future Two is the worst. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> at some point we will have to talk if, about. If these. you'd like to commission a Back to the Future podcast, <laughs> go to subble dot com slash bald move. Okay, let's but we got to talk about track. Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, Jesse's trying to find his meth and get his money. Uh, on Spooge and Skank, but they don't have it. And what they do have, though, is an ATM in the backyard. <laughs> and and asses and, well, yeah. somewhat full of drugs. Yeah, not, not really full. They could have fit more in there, I'm sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, then they, they do this little montage of shots of the crime scene where they stole the ATM from while Spooge explains how, how they got it and how nobody got killed. Victimless crime. It's a victimless crime, yo. And they show the dead guy uh, in there. Me and the, I love the, the me and the slit just boosted ATM. These people, yeah. Oh. The, I mean, this is this scene. These scenes are so dark, mm-hmm. but there's also this weird like Monty Python. Oh yeah, element of like 
if these people were a little bit smarter, they would have taken uh, Jesse's threats more serious. Uh-huh. But since they're fucking idiots, mm-hmm. they it completely goes over their head. Yeah, he's talking about like uh there's just a lot of hilarious dialogue like you know he hits him in the head and he's like oh i think it's gone cranial and he's like yeah well i got five bullets one for each kneecap and one for your cranial yeah a guy's got a gun to your head and you're talking about how bad your your noggin hurts there's so much comedy in this i mean even when the the lady comes up the post woman comes up oh yeah like it's played for comedy and it's just gold i love it yeah yeah um Anyway, and, and like the fact that the, the Jesse's first words when he sees the ATM is, "Yo, that's my bank, man." FD- oh, yeah. And this guy, yeah, yeah, this spooch guy, yeah. knows FDIC and the well, concept of it being federally insured. Really? Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, he's talking about subdural hematomas. I mean, I feel like the guy might have had an education before he went <laughs> meth until he introduced himself to meth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah he, he got he got through like a semester of college <laughs> where he found meth and then sure, turned into this. Sure. Uh, anyway, I, I don't know. Do you think this is going to come back on Jesse at all? Like the, the idea that Jesse's at this scene, there's this victimless crime, as he says, but in actuality, a guy got killed at that location. Police are investigating. Like, do you think any of that comes back on him? Well, I've seen a whole series, Jim. I know. I don't know if you can ask me the questions, but I will say it's intriguing how, uh, that the show bo- the show bothered to show us him frantically wiping down his fingerprints. Yeah, but That's you good. know full well when he's doing that, he's doing a half-ass job of yeah, it. Yeah, he's not getting the kitchen. I mean, he got a sandwich. He touched the plate, presumably sledgehammer, sledgehammer. Yeah, he doesn't get all of his fingerprints. Exactly. So it would be intriguing to see where they go from here. Mm-hmm. Not having seen the entire yeah. series. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so Spood is trying to bust the ATM open with a sledgehammer. Jesse's worried about the kid. Uh, the addicts want a taste, and Jesse just wants his money and get out of there. Sure. Uh, that, not a lot to go on in that scene. So I'm going to go to Walt and Gretchen meeting because uh, this be- is a much Before we do scene. this, um, yeah. I, I want to call out something that I thought uh, Aria uh, did a good job noting is that Jesse seems especially outraged about what, you know, what the hell kind of mother are you? Oh, Give yeah. Give him bath, put some baby powder on him, something. Uh it's the echo of his angry uh, fight with his mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like... Do you think de- he was neglected? Is that well, Jesse's problem? Not not he, to this degree, obviously, thing. but... That's the thing. Like, you know, we're in a weird position where our parents have turned their backs on us for stupid shit. Yeah, we were already adults. Yeah, I, I mean, know, it's... but it's still, like, if you're a parent, it's ridiculous the fact that you would, like, what, were you 18 at the time? Yeah, nine twenty. You're eighteen, and you're living a wild, dangerous course. But there's and and the re- and uh, the reaction is to turn your back forever. Like that's an unnatural yeah. thing to do. Uh, and that's one thing if you got a drug addict that's stolen from you and all that kind of stuff, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I, I don't know. I don't know how to properly peg. But I think definitely that's a painful thing to experience. And yeah, I think that that definitely lends a little bit of more outrage to Jesse and. And you know Jesse himself is young. What is he? Twenty two. Man, uh, that's yeah, like, good that's question. Weird thing is like you know I think when I see uh, when I see it's it's weird. Like you know when you see stuff when you're twenty two, and then you see stuff later and it's more meaningful. And oh, then yeah. like yeah. you know it's more it's it's things mean differently when you've had your first love. It means things differently when you've had your first loss. Like it. That's one thing that Jesse can cling to. Yeah. Like. I know what a mother is supposed to do 
and my mother and you are not fitting up to that ideal, and I'm going to lash out at yeah. you since you're you're a convenient target. Sure. No, I think a lot of that is mixed up in there with Jesse's own family, and because also because it's such a fresh thing, right? I mean, what was it? Two days ago, three days ago, that Jesse was kicked out of his house by his parents and yeah, had time- to sleep in a fucking RV covered in porta potty shit. Like, yeah. I, he's got to be bitter about that a little bit. That's another thing that Arya made a point. He actually has like a whole page devoted to the similarities between Jesse and the kid. In yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things. Like he had to he had to spend a whole night in his filth. Uh huh. And he had no control over that. Neither does this child. Like obviously, the child can't like pay for a water bill and mm-hmm. go out and get soap and bathe himself properly. Uh, Jesse was at the mercy of his parents kicking him out and, and Walt turning his back on him, just like this child. So there's a lot of parallels. Another one is, if you notice in the child's room, he has a toy spider. And one thing we talked about in the spoiler hmm. section of season one, which I can now share with the rest of the, the Breaking Bad Virgins, uh-huh. is that Jesse, when he was going through his childhood box, when he went back to his parents' house, in that episode where he met his younger brother and all that, mm-hmm. he had a toy spider. Hmm. So they're clearly... Putting parallel, and for some reason, we talked about this. Where's my section. spider, bitch? Yeah. Bitch, where's my spider? Yeah. <laughs> Did you steal my spider? This is this is why Villigan's weird, is that he, yeah. he, he associates spiders with childhood innocence. Yeah, what the hell, Vince? <laughs> the, the man worked on X-Files for a lot of years. It, it's it's uh, uh, He's a southern gentleman with a very creepy outlook on life. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're definitely supposed to see... Um, both textually and subtextually, the link between Jesse and this child. Yep, for sure. Uh, let's talk about the link between Walt and Gretchen. Yeah? Yeah. Because they meet in a diner or the cafe or wherever. Uh, she says she hasn't told anyone anything, and Walt apologizes three times, as he notes. And then she wants to know how Walt's going to pay for the treatment um, or how he how he has been paying for the treatment, and Walt won't tell her. And then when she persists, he gets mad, accuses her and Elliot of cutting him out of the company. Shit just breaks bad and he eventually says, fuck you. So the sh- shocking, I'm a, li- I'm, I'm a little bit on Team Walt here. Uh, I'm not. Okay. I'm not. He's Let's deluded. fight about it. Okay. I think he's deluded. I mean, it, it became apparent during this conversation that the way he sees the relationship with Gretchen and Elliot is not the way that it actually was. Well, so Get, because, why? Because why I inherently that? trust Gretchen more than him for some reason. I think that, there's... and I think it's because he's a drug dealer and a liar, and we've seen his poor performance in the past. So he definitely broke up with with Gretchen, and there is. I think we talked about this in the main cast because it's not really a spoiler. It's it's what do you call? It's like the word of God. It's not on scene, but Vince Gilligan mm-hmm. um, talked about. No, no, it was actually the actress that plays this. The Gretchen talked about how she had a lunch with Vince Gilligan, and he laid out her character's background. Where, yeah. you know, they went to like this Fourth of July party at a lake house, and he saw how rich they were, and like the the and they say that in the trigger. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. all hinted at, but this that it's explicit that Walt's massive inferiority complex in the face of all this privilege made him think that he could never be good enough or he could never measure up and you know he he took off okay great you guys broke up um he didn't explain that to explain to me how that entitles them to profit on walt's genius after he leaves so there's more to that 
I agree. There's definitely more to that than just Walt breaks up and then they have this pleasant relationship. It's like Walt must have just taken off like and not spoke with them. Um, I mean, obviously those things happened, right? Walt left. He didn't get money from it. There's a reason there. And And I I don't know what that reason is, but... Gretchen and Elliot have taken the gesture of saying, we will pay for all your stuff. I can't believe that they have changed so much as people in those intervening years that back then they were greedy and instantly ready to cut him out of the company at the slightest infraction, and now they're willing to give him millions of dollars to pay for his treatment. Okay, so... Unless they feel super guilty about it. Which is... But, that's that's a possibility. But I also think... Uh, here's the thing that really bugs me. Is that I think Walt's entirely right. I don't owe you an explanation. I don't. But owe, she, I don't. I don't owe you the. Tr- I mean, I need to make things right with my family, but I don't owe you shit. I haven't taken any of your money. I haven't taken any of your sympathy. No, but Wha- she's, he's mixed them up in a lie, a lie that's been perpetuated for months now. How does that, in any way, impact Gretchen or Elliot's quality of life? It doesn't, but it changes the way people think about them certainly people like walt's family sure which is walt's problem to deal with now i can see that i can see gretchen saying i'm not going to carry your water if skylar calls me again i'm going to say we're not paying for the medical treatments and you have to deal with it Mm -hmm. but this whole like quasi threat of i haven't decided what i'm going to do with the information leads me to believe that there's something about Gretchen and Elliot that is a little bit hmm. not pigheaded is not the right word. Um, it's just, that's that was just an asshole move. Like it's cool that she. she I mean, went I don't along disagree with, the with lie that. until she had more information. But the way she hmm. started this information was like, I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet with this information. Yeah, I don't disagree that that is uh, somewhat of not a veiled threat, but a little. A uh, little threatening, kind of. Um, I I just don't I don't know that you would be okay if I were to go around telling people things about you that weren't true, even if they didn't affect your quality of life. Like if I say, "Oh yeah, uh, Aaron and I totally went to Kings Island last weekend together," <laughs> and we hadn't actually done that, and then someone comes up to you and says. Oh hey, a great time at King's Island last week. How was it? And you're like, uh, and they're like, oh yeah, you went with Gino. He told me everything. And then you're like, yeah, yeah. Now That's the you're kind of mixed thing that up in as it. As teenagers, it's... all the time, like you know, especially if you're. In... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'm, you'd I'm have s- to play it off and say, oh yeah, mom and dad of my friend, I was definitely there with you. Hell, hell yeah, he slept. He slept the <laughs> hell out of my house. Yeah, <laughs> uh, of course, we played video games all night long. Whatever. But you know, I mean, it's not totally divorced from your problem. But the here, I, I here's what I don't like, and again, this is a soft. Like mm-hmm. I'm not. I, I'm a little on Team Walt. Is like yeah, yeah, the yeah. proper response to that isn't I'm going to borderline b- emotionally blackmail. It's you need to make this. R- yeah, yeah, you're right. You need to make this right to yeah. family. But you also like it's not cool what you did, and there's a some sort of time limit to where you're. You know, I can't allow you to keep using us in this lie. I think yes. it's weird uh-huh. how Gretchen like took this middle path of telling Skylar we're withholding your money. We're not paying anymore. She like partially sold his lie but didn't let it, it's it's weird I, I don't know how i would have handled it mm-hmm. but i didn't like the whole quasi-emotional blackmail and the demanding of an explanation 
Like you can demand that they stop. You can, but yes, you okay. Like what? What the hell does she know? What's going on between Waltons and Skyler, and and with cancer yeah, and I, with? I mean, I guess it it confused me a little bit when you said you're on Team Walt, and thinking that maybe Walt didn't do anything really terrible here. Well, I so no, uh, but I also think that but I get where you're coming from. Like she can say stop it, but he doesn't really owe her an actual explanation. Yeah. Like you want to um, get in my bedroom and know all the thing and, and with my son's life and the Flynn and the Fuge says like fuck you, you don't you, sure. I don't owe you and anything. Apo- so so do you think that when after he apologizes three times and she doesn't let it go, um, and she wants she doesn't an just not let him go. She's belligerent about it. Yeah, she demands an explanation. And again, this is a man dying of cancer. So yeah. like. That's the one. That's the weird double-edged sword with his relationship. You can excuse so many things, like Skyler's a bitch because this man's dying of cancer. Why don't you cut him some slack? Mm-hmm. Yet Walt is cooking meth and involving them with dangerous guys like Tuco. Sure. So yeah. like that's where the other side, like you know, this isn't a katana. It's a double-edged sword. It's mm-hmm. it cuts both ways. With Gretchen, she's an outside, uninterested third party. I'm tend to be more on Walt. Like yes, I know Walt's a lying scumbag. Mm-hmm. Gretchen doesn't know that, and and I think it says something about Gretchen that she's so aggressive, and and needling of him in this. Yeah, I don't like this also... woman's face either. Every single time <laughs> that's she's what it casted, comes down to. Just... she's casted as like Ross's ex-wife who turned oh, lesbian. See, I haven't and, seen her, in and she's always the bitchy girlfriend or hmm. ball busting wife. I yeah, and, but and, she's very concerned about Walt in this scene. She's like, is she? You've, you've changed so much. This is not who you were. What but that's happened presumptuous to you? too. They don't know. I mean, I don't. No, know. they knew who he used to be, and the person he used to be wouldn't go around lying about this stuff. And 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 after. You know, he gets mean about it afterward. It's just like I have an impossible time being on Walt's side any more than just yeah. I guess he doesn't actually owe her an explanation of how he's getting money. Again, I mean, would he have come out with fu if she hadn't had been pressing him, pressing him, and then followed up with the "I pity you"? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you know him as that well, then you should have known that that was going to be that was going to bring that. You know, like the people that I'm really close to and intimate with, like you, my girlfriend, my son, I know what buttons I could push to get a screaming match going. Mm. Part of being intimate is trusting a person not to push those fucking buttons, <laughs> right? Sure, yeah. So, like, you know, but again, they're not intimate anymore, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just that, yeah. So, like, back up a bit. Back up and give the dying man some space to breathe. I don't I don't <laughs> use an argument with Skylar because I know 360 what's going on, but Gretchen, fuck off. Get your Bentley, go back up to Santa Fe, and like again, you can refuse to stop. So replace Walt with Aaron, and Aaron says the same thing. <laughs> Fuck you. Hell yes. Right to her face. <laughs> Fuck you for leaving Ross and for all the other shit you've done and all the other television series. I know what you're up to. Okay. All right. Uh, do you think there's a chance that Walt did this on purpose, trying to drive Elliot and Gretchen out of the equation completely so that his lie could be maintained? What? So if he tells <laughs> if he tells Gretchen off here, okay, and she just decides I'm never going to speak to Walt again, Elliot and Gretchen, we are both out of their lives for good. Walt can maintain that lie without any any further. Uh, well, I mean, eventually, because right? Skylar says we'll be in more contact, so that's the weird thing. She does. You can tell Skylar's pressing to get into that. Uh, so here's here's what I think ethically 
she should have done. Okay. And if, if Aaron was in this person, is what I would have done. Because <laughs> right. I'm the paragon of ethics, right? Obviously, yeah. Right, yeah. okay. So the, here's where we got an official ruling. Skylar calls and says, you know, wants to press for details and be like, you need to talk to Walt about that. Mm-hmm. That's That's what you do. You don't confirm. You don't deny. You said, "Look, you need to talk to your husband about that." I, I can't, I, I can't put myself in that position. You need to talk to Walt about that. So you don't like that she even maintained Walt's lie? No, as, as a, as Again, a, what as right, a courtesy to Walt. What right does she have? I mean, I, I, I guess this is weird, but I feel like in a family unit, that wall is kind of sacrosanct. You can't. You know, it's not. It's not just a. It's it's a man's home is his castle. It's like a family, like. You know, if 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 a family wants to take outsiders and put them into their business, that's fine. But I I don't know. I find offensive as a Midwestern for people prying into my business when they don't belong. Well, she and I know that Walt invited that by coming up with the lie in the first place, which is why I'm slightly on Team Walt. Mm, okay, I I don't know. I think it's very complicated. And Gretchen here is trying to do right by Walt. It's like, what do you do if you know your buddy's cheating at the beginning? Do you do you, are you honor bound to tell his uh girlfriend that uh, you know that or his wife? Or probably. If a girlfriend says, "Do you know that he's are you, I I don't know." It's none of your business. Now like yeah, if, if but you're if my friend if, but if they and call I know you up and, and I know say, your wife/girlfriend is cheating on you, then yes, I feel like as your friend, but, but that's what if, my responsibility okay, to do. So what if you know that your friend is cheating on his wife and uh, his wife calls you up and says, "You know, thank you for uh, g- thank you for going to Kings Island last weekend with Gino. I know he uh, he really appreciated that and everything. Do you continue that lie or do you? I would probably do, do you lie to her. Honestly, then you are part of the lie. And that's, honestly, that's would, where Gretchen's coming from. Now she can't, yeah. in in good conscience, uh, tell Skylar the truth because her friend is obviously telling her a lie and she wants to maintain that. So now she is mixed up in the lie. So honestly, what I would do is I would go along with the lie as best as I could, which would probably be poorly, which uh-huh. would probably set a lot of alarm bells off because that's how those situations go. Sure. Don't have my next details. call would be to my buddy being like, WTF, yeah, that's yeah. not cool. You wouldn't stop by for coffee in the afternoon? If it ever happens again. <laughs> that's the other thing. <laughs> that's a weird meeting. Your, your next call yeah. is to like, uh, are you available this afternoon? Floor the Bentley. Yeah. Fuck you, Gretchen. And then You're just a terrible get there person. and have a pleasant conversation? Yeah. That's such a weird thing to do. Yeah. It's like, I would Call All right, my buddy. fuck Gretchen. Exactly. <laughs> I'd call my buddy and be like, this ain't cool. Don't ever let it happen again. But if, if the girlfriend called again, I'd be like, look, you need to talk to your husband. Uh-huh. I wouldn't con- – I like, you get a freebie because I feel like, you know – but but part of me being friends with a person is the assumption that you're a good dude. Good dudes <laughs> do fuck up and make mistakes. Uh-huh. Then the p- friendship says that you got to call and say, like, confront them. Like, I'm giving you a chance to be the good dude. What happens yeah, is yeah, you just yeah, don't. Yeah. You're not, if they do it again, you're not friends with them anymore. Sure. Yeah. And then like you know they don't respect you enough not to mix yeah, you up in that shit yeah. anymore. And, and that's like she calls you again and you say that like you need to talk to your husband. That tells her what she needs to know. Yeah, right. Totally. Totally. So that's 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 the way I would roll in this situation. Okay. I certainly would not floor my Bentley and beat <laughs> and, and 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 hightail it to to my buddy's wife's house and regale her with fake accounts of how awesome Kings Island was. And accept compliments on paying for his King's Island and all the large stuffed animals he won there. This, <laughs> this is... <laughs> all right. No, okay, let's... 
I can't Let's even bring it back terrible per- I, Am I a good person, Jim? I don't know. <laughs> Ethics is a very fuzzy thing, man. It is. It is. Uh, let's bring this back around. All right. Uh, I think once Walt starts showing his true colors here and completely denying exactly what happened between them and, like, uh, you and Elliot cut me out, you and Elliot, uh, I think Gretchen shows remarkable restraint at that point um, to not just say, fuck you, Walt, and go tell his wife. Um, oh, no, you can't just because some dude says, like, F you, you can't then go and I'm telling your wife. Why not? He just told you to go fuck yourself. Yeah. That's Could she exa- pull a gun out of her purse and shoot him in the face? No. So where does that license end? Doing exactly what he just did to you, being as mean as he was to you. Yeah, she could say something very hurtful personally and cut him. She could talk about his penis size. She could say how many orgasms she's faked. She could say what a pitiful she does, man. She does none of that. She shows remarkable restraint in not doing any of that uh, and feels more pity for him than Okay. Than See, I would have been scandalized tendencies. if she actually called Skylar and laid it all out for her. I, that would have been wow, beyond the I pale for me. I don't know why. He deserves it. He deserves it. Yeah. He yeah. does. He does. Man, okay. Again, oh. that means the man's dying of cancer. <laughs> no, no. I think he at that point he definitely deserves it. All right. Anyway, let's let's move on. Uh, they haven't been able to get the ATM open. Wait, uh, let, the, to be clear, Skylar deserves the truth. Uh huh. I'm not saying it's cool that Walt's lying to her. She right. definitely deserves the truth, and Walt needs to be there. But I I, I take exception with what role Gretchen has ethically in being the judge, jury, and executioner of that truth. Well, when when the judge and the jury tell you to go fuck yourself, I think you're okay being the executioner, <laughs> honestly. All right, Judge Dredd. <laughs> uh, anyway, we go back to the Spooge house, and uh, they haven't been able to get the ATM open. The kid comes out to play some more peekaboo, and that distracts Jesse long enough for Skank to knock him over the head and take his gun. Uh, this was just bad on Jesse's part. Bad move, man. Like, I understand you think these meth heads are passed out behind you, but never turn your back on these people. I was, uh, and, and they did a great job of foreshadowing, oh, like, yeah. how often Jesse turned his back on Spooge that had a fucking sledgehammer. And you could see he wanted to use it. He was, like, debating, should I go in with this sledgehammer? Yeah, and then Jesse would get turn in there around fast just, enough? yeah, man, it and, was a bad, bad scene. And then they have not, this not moment. Not bad scene, like, it was, yeah. yeah. The whole like, thing's like, a bad scene. Like, like, in Austin Powers' sense of the word. Yes. Uh, <laughs> not and, the directorial. Then there's a moment where Spooge and Skank look at each other in a previous yes. scene and kind of almost nod like imperceptibly. This guy, this, this guy ain't no diesel. And then the next scene they come this back. This guy's a Prius hybrid at best. They're both sleeping and Skank is faking. And she goes over there and clocks him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesse, sloppy. Diesel. Sloppy. Jesse Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> um... And the, the the kid. Why don't they kill Jesse? Why don't they kill him here? They're, I again. I feel that's like one of the problems. Their I have. attention, if their attention span was one iota longer, they would have. I'm just too concerned about. But the as drugs. soon as the immediate threat, like you could, you can tell how bad they were tweaking. Yeah. And as soon as he was knocked out cold, they probably. Well, I don't know. Probably she immediately shot up heroin. She did, but he's like menacing him. Oh, look at my knife! Who's who's got the upper hand now? That sort of deal. Why doesn't know. he just kill him? I he clearly killed the guy at the gas I think station. When Jesse he, fe- when Jesse passed out, his immediate priority was to get high. He got high, and when I, I understand when you're high on meth, then you're all about doing whatever you were doing, mm-hmm. and that's it's like explaining because these people are like 
drug addict, drug addict. Oh yeah, like sore, open wounds on my face. Like I was drug watching. I had I, and uh, the day after Christmas, they were debuting the high def version of The Wire, mm-hmm. and I forgot just how bad like Bubs and his partner were. Uh-huh. Like that's the kind of like just super high risk for so low reward and so short sighted goal and moments of clarity, and then waving them as they pass by, and like. I mean, I've never been in that position. Mm-hmm. Thank God I've never been addicted to a chemical substance. But it looks like a nightmare. And I think that's that's why they didn't kill Jesse. Because it, it it, they needed to get high first, and as a result of them getting high, they forgot what they were doing. Hmm. Okay. All I've right. certainly been there. Oh, yeah. I've certainly been set out to do something and then engaged in a, 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 a chemical of choice as I sloshed my glass around uh-huh. and forgot what I was doing. It never involved murdering another human being, <laughs> but that's why I have a clear oh. no meth, no heroin, uh, you know, policy. Two days later, man, I I meant to murder that guy. Mm-hmm. Damn it! Oh well. Now he's out calling nine eleven after I murdered <laughs> my my old man Spooge. Uh, so another good scene here. Walt gets home and Skyler wants to talk, and she tells him the Gretchen called to say they won't continue to pay for Walt's treatment, uh, which I think he got off pretty easy there. But the Mister Ethics says no. Uh, Skyler <laughs> Skyler wants to know what happened. Walt tells her that he met with the Schwartzes and that they're broke. And Skyler seems a little suspicious. Well, man, so close to selling that lie. He but really Skyler's is too smart. She's just like slightly too smart for this. Yeah, he almost got it. Almost. And I don't think it wasn't necessarily the Bentley that did it. Like he could have explained that away as you know. They have a lot of money. The, the Bentley's on lease, whatever. Yeah. They don't, like, they can't just sell the Bentley and their money problems are over. I mean, that's the thing. You can say a lot of things about Skyler, but she's not an idiot. No. And spe- mm. I mean, she might not be the chemical genius that Walt is, but she's very perceptive. Oh, yeah. And she is able to, like, and now that she's got her, you know, the scent of the mm-hmm. him being dishonest. It it just like that story doesn't hold up, and he I felt like he sold it a little too short, mm-hmm. like or he 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 oversold his story a little bit too much. Like the fact that they were, you know, broke or destitute or they'd lost a bunch of money on Wall Street or something. It's like yeah, they're driving Bentleys. I mean, I don't know. I could totally see that though. You know, you like, like they don't own their house, they don't own their car. Like none of this stuff is really owned. It's all. Sort of in the process of getting. Well, it's owned. like if, if you've seen the movie "This Is 40, the Ju- the Judd Apatow. I haven't. No. It's like that's you know like me and Cecily were watching that, and it's it epitomizes the concept of rich people broke. Sure. Like, you know, if you if you not if you've been so broke you can't afford to put gas in your tank. Uh huh. That's one thing. If you're so broke that you're worried about, oh man, I, can I make the second payment on the, my mortgage? And I got the two BMWs in the ground. That's like rich people broke. Yeah, like you still have to like downgrade your standard of living, but you still got electricity. You still got food on the table. I totally would get the, a person like Gretchen would be broke, too broke to pay a person's medical bills, but still driving around a Bentley. Yep, definitely. So, but. As as a person as, as as Skyler, that is a head scratcher. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I I'm okay with it. I, th- uh, I, I thought I that think... the, the the thing that was a problem was Walt's 
reaction to her, like, well, uh, you know, keeping up the uh, the appearances. Yeah, the way he doesn't, like, make eye contact when he's saying yeah. it. And, like, she just knows him too well to un- to not think that he's... It's like, what's weird is, like, I feel like Wall has a particular tone of voice and bearing when he's lying. I think so, yeah. And as I've, 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 I've watched him for six seasons, it, that sticks out like a sore thumb. And you can tell and when I he's shifting into his lying gear. That's the brilliance of Brian Cranston, right? I mean, he has he has thought about this character. He knows yeah. this character so well yeah. that when he switches that on, it seems like it's on purpose mm-hmm. because it's so consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really appreciated that. Uh, and then when he accuses Walt, or he accuses uh, Gretchen and Elliot of being prideful people. Oh, oh my God, I thought that was just... I'm amazed at his head. This he didn't <laughs> right. like catch fire like Dragon Ball Z, like oh, you know, my style. God. He didn't go Super Saiyan mode. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, all right, anything else in that scene, or should we? Let's move on. Okay, so Spooge has a brilliant idea. He's going to find the weak spot on the safe. So he <laughs> tilts it up, gets underneath it, and he's drilling the bottom of it. It's the Death the, the, They design ATMs like Death Stars. They do. There's you, a you gotta have a port weak point. underneath. If you lose the key. You need, you need an alternate way to get into it. You jiggle sure. an ice pick in the bottom, and it's going to pop open. Yep. Uh, Skank wants a hit of meth, and she's really concerned about that. Uh, she's also concerned about him calling her Skank all the time, over and over, and then decides, I'm going to crush his head under the ATM, and then takes his meth, and she passes out. And right as she does that, the ATM pops open. Jesse's cleaning his fingerprints off. He's ready to get out of there. He grabs the money, calls 911, puts the kid on the porch, and he's gone. Is Skank a Skank? What is a I skank? don't know. I thought a skank was similar to a slut, so see, I can't say for sure that she is a skank. See, I don't. I don't agree. Maybe a skank is something different. Yeah, right. Like I, I'm not about slut shaming. God loves sluts. I've been a slut before. Sure. Um, skank is just nasty. Just a nasty, nasty person. Like I don't. I don't know what the male equivalent of a skank is. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Skeevy. Yeah. A creep. Yeah. Um, but. She's unquestionably whatever a skank is. You look it up in a dictionary, and her face, oh yeah, with the scabies and everything, is there, right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. She protests a bit too much about, and and also You're right. it's like you know the duck when a duck's a duck. Jesse called her a bad mother. She's a horrible mother, but she doesn't want anybody to. She doesn't want to hear of it from anybody. I know. Yeah, it's ah ah these people, man. Oh, and this is like they do such a good job of making me hate these people. Yeah, like when they're when when Jesse was in his power mode and they were cowering on the couch and her son came out, her first instinct was to use him as a shield. Oh, baby, yeah. come over here. Oh, get in front of me and the man with the bullets. Jesus yep. Christ, lady. I know. Terrible mother. She's an unquestionable skank. Maybe I shouldn't say that I hate these people. Uh they are addicted to meth, addicted to heroin. They're to be pitied. Yes, I, I pity these people, and they could use some help instead of, uh, you know, the penalties that I'm sure they'll get. And, you know, the peekaboo kid, you think that uh, maybe he's a got gotten. a shot at a better life with the cops showing up, but then you start looking at stuff about foster care. You know what? He does have a better shot <laughs> ah. than being raised by them. Have you seen season four of The Wire, man? I, it doesn't matter. Look at those people, man. <laughs> Look at them. There's uh, no way. I look at that house. Look at they're not feeding him. They're not doing anything to take care of this kid. At the very least, yeah. they'll have the social workers checking up and making sure that they're being fed. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. Like the 
it's it's probably a step up in the foster care from a flop house, but it's still yeah, it's a not long great. road to having a good life. Yes, and it's just that's the thing is a total crapshoot. You can get foster parents yeah. that are great, like Juno, yeah, and you can sure. get foster parents that are really shitty. And then same mm-hmm. way, that's the thing. That's the scary thing about being a foster parent is you don't know if you're going to get a kid with a heart of gold. Uh, that's just had a bad, or you just don't know if like you're going to get a kid that's so damaged by the system that it's going to be a nightmare to deal with. I mean, sure. Wow, that whole that that whole <laughs> it's situation all makes me sad. It's all bad. Fuck this episode. I don't want to feel this way <laughs> on New Year's Eve. Is it too late to pop the champagne, Jim? Uh, too early, I'd it's, say. It's certainly not too early to be drinking this much this much whiskey. Well, debatable as well. <laughs> uh, that's it for the episode. All right. It's a good one. I really like this episode. A no, lot. again, I, I, the only reason I hesitate to give it a top five is because I've never actually sat down with every episode and given a ranking. Yeah. Um, I, I just think there's so much good stuff in four and five that the top five is full of that stuff. But I'm talking about like, it's easy to think of like certain scenes that are exciting or cool or epic moments, but the things are really grabby by the feels. That's the thing mm. that sticks out to me. And Peekaboo yeah. is. Is is right there with with the best of them. So, yeah, you're right. I, before we go out, um, I, I listened to Dave P's Dave Porter's uh, remix of the theme. Ingeniously worked in a sledgehammer into the remix. Oh, nice. There's a, the, that was the the main percussion element of the uh, Breaking Bad theme on the. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you watch on Netflix or on DVD, uh, Dave Porter actually came up with elaborate. Um, remixes of the main Breaking Bad a guitar twang for the 30 seconds of the credits. 99% of Breaking Bad fans never get to, to hear them because mm-hmm. they, you know, they had next time on Breaking Bad played over it with the, you know, high-speed credit sequence. But, you know, yeah. uh, give the man his due if, if you're watching on Netflix. Okay, why don't we do some pimping? You want me to pimp? Yes, I do. Sh- okay. Well, you know what? I want you to do pimping this time. <laughs> Me? I'll yeah. do pimping. All, All right. right. There are a bunch of ways to support us if you like what we do. We can... Uh, this man's been paying attention. Wow. Y- you can... <laughs> you, <laughs> this you is can... going much better than I thought. Well, it's not even close to over yet. Uh, <laughs> you can go to amazon.ballmove.com if you're shopping on Amazon. You can get... Uh, what do you say? Same great shipping, same great... Products. Products, same, same great prices. prices. But you just give us a little bit of love. You make just Bezos cry. Make Bezos cry. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash baldmove and check out our Patreon page where you can get some awesome extra bonus content. Uh, we do these live. We do these cast live as videos. Like For example, for everyone watching, as far as they know, I have not changed clothes for an entire week. <laughs> I've been living like a hobo. As far as I know, too. I haven't seen you in a week. <laughs> Uh, I've been a hobo just just waiting in, in the gutter for, for the next podcast. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I played peekaboo with some kid in a flop house. Yep. Uh, but you can get a lot of extras there. Ad-free podcasts are a big bonus. Oh, yeah. If you don't ever want to hear this again, you don't have to uh, for just three bucks a month. Uh, you can what also go to subable.com slash bald move and you can get stuff. You can commission a podcast. You can commission those Back to the Future podcasts. There you go. Most importantly. Here, uh, me and Jim have a death match <laughs> about is two or three the worst. It'll come to blows. I know it will. Yeah, probably. Uh, well, I, we, well, you can see all of that on the live video feed. So <laughs> I suggest you sign up for both of those. Uh, but there's a lot of other stuff over there, too. Um, and I think that's about it for supporting us, right? Tell a friend, that sort of deal. Yeah, you can do the rate review on iPod. 
Yeah, iPod, rate and review on iTunes. That's, iTunes. That's super important. That keeps us up on the, the charts and keeps new people noticing us. Uh, that's it for pimping. Feedback. Okay, let's do feedback. Spencer H, Spencer H says, Aaron, I trust immediately after recording the last podcast, you went and brought and bought Jim a breakfast pizza. He obviously hasn't lived. I, I, bad job on me. Yeah. I'm going. I'm going. I don't know where you lunch find... with Jim and Aaron is another way it's, to support us. We're going to do a lunch with Jim and Aaron where I eat a breakfast pizza. It's breakfast school cafeteria institutional breakfast with lunch and with, with Jim and Aaron. <laughs> it's going to feature tater tots, breakfast pizza. Uh, See, that's the thing. As hot grown, pockets. As grown men, I have no idea how we will get our hands on a school cafeteria breakfast pizza. I want. It's got. You oh, got, your son. He can he can stuff one in his pocket. Bring it, bring well, it see, back. He's in elementary school. They don't. I, they do, do do breakfast. They do. Yeah. You oh, might, do they? You might be right. But yeah, we need to get. I, I feel like Sam's Club would have that kind of stuff. Mm. I'm gonna I'm maybe gonna we go, can go to a distributor. We can make this a mission. We'll we'll make a like, documentary there, there's, about there's it. There's a food warehouse. What is that thing called? The the food like where Long John Silver's goes to buy their food and shit. I don't know. It's it's right across the street. You know uh, what I'm talking about the junkyard. <laughs> The Atlantic Ocean? Uh, no, there is there's a food outletter that, that they might have that kind of stuff. You know, huh. like if you okay. want to go and get like Walking Dead style, 128 ounces of chocolate pudding mm-hmm. or a yeah, whole yeah, yeah. tray of breakfast pizza. If you have an idea of how we can lay our hands on this, because I would like, I would love to introduce Jim to the institutional style breakfast pizza. Oh, I'd love to try it. I don't want to go to prison. <laughs> and I'd really not like to go back to high school to get it, but if you know where you can get it, email that to breakinggood at baldmove.com. Uh-huh. Bad job on me, though. Tyler W. says, It's interesting to see the contrast between Walt and Jesse in this episode. This is the peekaboo stuff. When episode begins, you see Jesse playing with a beetle on the sidewalk and suggesting that Jesse has a live-and-let-live attitude, a theme carried over from the previous episode with his explanation of breakage to Walt. Uh, Quote-unquote, it happens, man. He only takes action when his hand is forced, and while all and all the while feels nothing but wrong about the whole thing. Jesse's conscious and strong morality sharply contrasts with Walt's blatant disregard of right and wrong. Walt was full on Heisenberg in this episode. His pride is a major factor in the story. He shows how he continues to nurse feelings of being ostracized. Yet during the restaurant scene with Gretchen, she makes it clear that he was the only one, or he is the one that initiated his departure from their relationship as well as from Gray Matter. His hypocrisy is in full swing and reaches its zenith during his lie to Skyler at the end of the episode when he says that Gretchen and Elliot are prideful people. Man, fuck you, Walter. Sure. No, it, we pointed that out. Yeah, it's the ridiculous. Sad thing, the sad thing about that is how close Skyler and Walt were in that scene. Mm-hmm. Like, they were cuddled together. He had her hand on his knee, or he had his hand on her Hands knee. Hands on knees everywhere, yeah. Like a part of me wonders if he had just if if he at any point he just come clean, how the story would have been different in a positive way for the whites. You mean during that scene, if he was just like, well, she was upset because I've been lying to you the whole time. I'm a meth dealer, uh, manufacturer, not dealer. Uh, she would have been okay with that. It, I don't know. It, okay. Eventually, I don't know. Okay, he definitely had to stop. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. They could talk about like you, what is really important to the family versus what you think is important, and and do I think she goes to Hank or the police? No, I don't. I really don't. And would that have been sure. better for Walter White as the man? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's had a couple of opportunities like that now. 
Uh, we got a lot more stuff to talk about in the spoiler section, but that's it for the main cast. Okay, cool. If so. you'd like to give us more feedback, you can do so at breakinggood at baldmove.com. You can find us on our forums at forums.baldmove.com, facebook.com slash baldmove, or on Twitter at baldmove. Yep. That's a cast, except for spoilers. All right, cool. Well, uh, if you're sticking around for spoilers, we'll see you in a couple minutes. If not, we'll see you next week. Uh, until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Happy New Year, everyone. Mm, happy New Year. Oh, hello, the Because Show. Hi, Because Show. Hey, Because Show lady. Hey there, Because Show lady. Hi, Because Show. Okay. 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 It's like the Because Show is... Personal. Anything goes. Lazy fair. Smart. We talk about serious subjects like... Money. Sex. Divorce. Sex toys. Ex-boyfriends. Vocabulary. Vibrators. <laughs> We've got third wave feminism on our side. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is we love you guys and we're happy to be here. People really like us because they want to feel like they're hanging out with their best friends. Yep. Why do people listen? Why do people listen? To feel superior? It's Gerilyn. Amy. And Susan. Yay! It is a thing. The Because Show. Get it on baldmove.com. And we're back with the spoiler section. What do we have this week? Um... Just the fact that I, I kind of mentioned this in the non-spoiler, but the appearance of innocence connection with spiders. Uh-huh. What is up with that? Jesse, <laughs> Peekaboo, Drew. What's the deal with spiders? Yeah, I, I don't want to get Seinfeld with <laughs> it, but really, what is the deal? I don't know, man. Like Danville, again, that really works better if you use like something that everyone as a culture agrees, like a teddy bear. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, a gingerbread man. He seems to go the opposite way. I mean, look what he does with the teddy bear this time, Uh, (laughs) right? In this season, it's like he's going the the Walking Dead of teddy bears. I know. Uh, It's the all-seeing eye of Sauron (laughs) of teddy bears. Like, what the hell? Yeah, Uh, you got to wonder what some of his other symbols for really nice things are. Also, you know, highlight the opposite reactions of Walt and Jesse have with violence. You know, seeing Spooge get his head caved in really bothers Jesse. And again, stuff yeah. bothers Walt. Like, you know, seeing Crazy Eight get murdered, dissolving Emilio in a bath, shooting Gale in the face. Mm-hmm. What And watch what happens to Jesse versus watch what happens to Walt. Yeah. Walt detaches himself from his humanity. Jesse embraces it. Now, sometimes... That's self-destructive, mm-hmm. but that's n- not an unnatural reaction to have. Walt is the one who has an unnatural reaction. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it. You know, the the live and let live idea is tied up in that too with Jesse. I like. I don't know if Jesse, if Walt ever comes along, Jesse ever has the desire to really do any of this stuff. You know, it, Walt's kind of on the mission, and Jesse's. Yeah, what happens to Jesse if Walt doesn't come in his life? He spends a couple months in prison, baby goes to technical yeah. school, moves to Alaska and starts a wood shop. I don't I don't know. Like it, it doesn't feel like Jesse would have ever been driven to become this big drug dealer like Walt is. Oh, hell no. Uh so like the idea that they kind of cross paths somewhere in the middle where, you know, Walt goes from the the family guy to Scarface and then Jesse kind of has an opposite redemption arc. Um I feel like that might I just, I just feel like that's a really natural progression for these two characters as they've been set up at the beginning of the series. Right. And that that's why Breaking Bad is one of my favorite shows because they they just pull that off effortlessly. It almost feels. Sure. Uh this revenge fantasy he has with Walt and uh, Walt Jr where they talk about dragging the oh, guy yeah, yeah, yeah. into the desert. Mm-hmm. That 
and it's 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 so fascinating to know that this is the one season where they meticulously plotted it. That comes partially true when they abduct Saul Goodman and drag him out to the desert in the hood. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess and it that, does. And it literally comes true in four eleven crawl space when Gus drags him out to the desert with a hood on his face and threatens him and his family mm-hmm. and his infant daughter. Um, do, do you think so? Talking about things that that come true or or things that play out. Do you think they had ideas in their head to go a different direction with this season? Um, kind of as they were writing this that ATM stuff and, you know, the guy getting killed and Jesse with the fingerprints, like it's kind of why I asked you during the main cast, if you think that ever comes back on him, do you think they ever thought maybe this should come back on him? Maybe we, we're going to tie this in later and let's leave some loose ends here. Cause otherwise I, unless you're just playing it for comedy, I don't know why you show that montage of where they robbed the ATM from and that guy being dead. Is that to build tension? Like maybe these people could kill Jesse. Maybe yeah. I don't know that that's qualifies more like, for a drop thread. But I see what you're going. But it felt more like they put that as a ball that's up in the air that they could maybe catch later. Yeah, I you know. It, but it also works as like the introducing the concept of this quote unquote victimless crime. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, Walt's like all I want to do is make a pure product that's safe. Oh yeah, and performs as advertised and blah blah blah. Then you look at the the miles of corpses he's left in his be, uh, his wake, and you, you see how that is yeah. belied. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. All right, here's another one that here again. I wasn't really on the internet on the subreddits in season two, but I guess yeah. that the community was a buzz back in the day about this painting in Walt's chemistry class of this woman that looks like Jane. Okay. Um, you know, a very cartoon stylized version of Jane, but Jane, you know, all the same in the fact that I guess she's a white woman with long hair and she's looking face to face with a skull. Hmm. And people were wondering whether that was foreshadowing. That painting was in and I got this all from uh Serial or Serial rather. Serial, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh but that painting was in season 1. It's very unlikely to me that they had in mind Jane in season yeah, 1. Yeah. I think you're right. But uh, that's where, you know, you got that whole strip mining of the past. Um, hmm. It works. So um, that's all I got for, like, the, kind of my own nuggets. We have a couple of uh, spoiler takes and feedback. Barry C. has a great one. It said, revisiting this episode where Walter lies about gray matter being broke makes me wonder, what's the best lie on the fly ever told on this show? <laughs> oh, my God. He's got a few candidates. Okay. The fugue state was pretty good, as was yeah. how he explained it to the shrink. The Gus poisoned the child lie was pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Skinny Pete and Badger with the laser pins in the final episode was brilliant. But the one that shocked me the most was the confession tape. That felt like it was five years in the making, and it blew me away. Hard to argue with that, right? However, yeah, my all-time favorite has to be the one from Skylar, when she said Walt had been making his money with a blackjack system. What do we think is the the biggest and best lie told in this in the series? I've got one to throw in a ring. Okay, what is that? Walt is it four days out or three days out? Or is it five? The days one where out? he goes to his mother's, supposedly? That was ballsy because it's so easily verified. 
And also, yeah, it was. It's it's an increasingly desperate Walt trying to pitch to an increasingly suspicious Skyler, and it's so easily verifiable that it sticks out in my mind as even when I was watching it. Oh God, this is not this is not smart. So I don't know if that's best or what, but it definitely gave me a lot of anxiety watching it. Gus poisoning the kid is a pretty good one. I mean, that is that is taking a problem and solving it, right? Like, not only is he getting Jesse off of his back, but he's turning him against the guy who has already turned Jesse, his partner, against Walt. Like, that just totally flips the table, or turns the table on Gus. I think of things like, I don't know if they're lies or not. Like, when Walt said to Jesse... Uh, after Hank beat the shit out of him in the hospital, and he's talking about how he's going to burn his brother-in-law, yeah. that he said, your your cook is every bit as good as mine. Some people would say that's not a lie, but I don't think Walt really believes that. I don't think Walt really believes that, that Jesse's, Jesse's not as good as, good. as cook. Maybe he can follow his Uh-oh. recipe, but does, he, does Jesse know what to do when humidity changes, when the temperature changes, when... Yeah, no, when, Walt never believes that. Walt's too prideful of a guy to believe that he would ever be eclipsed by his student. And you see, like, that reduced Jesse to tears and got him another, you know, season of unwavering loyalty. That's yeah. a pretty good lie. Yeah. And I yeah. firmly believe it was a complete, bald-faced, manipulative lie. Yeah, I think lies are, you know, the quality of a lie in this scenario probably should be judged on, A, uh how I think lies that are easily uh, proven wrong are bad lies. Okay. Um, so I think like him going to his mother's is a bad lie. I think sure. I think those types of are bad lies. Uh, so for me, I judge it on is the lie easily proved false to prove to be a lie, and also what does the lie accomplish? Like, is the lie more than just a lie? Is it is it serving your purposes more than just in the moment? Is it also serving long-term purpose. And I feel like those big lies, like Gus poisoning the kid and poisoning Brock, are definitely good lies. What about Walt sandbagging Gale to save Jesse? Sandbagging Gale? Yeah, he's talking about, and he told Gus that he can't work with Gale. I can't remember exactly what the lie was, but I remember he... he, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he said basically to keep him from... You know, often Jesse, even though Gail was back. far superior, and, and even Walt yeah. would—that's the thing that's—that's a complicated relationship between him and Jesse. Like, yeah, Walt would very prefer to work with Gail. Oh yeah, in a laboratory setting, him absolutely. and Gail fit like glove and hand. But he yeah. still has this weird, almost fatherly love and loyalty to Jesse. Yeah, definitely loyalty is a good word for that. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's. I, I I feel like the lies that he gets into with Gus, for the most part, are self-serving lies in the moment, just to keep his ass out of the hot water for one second longer. And those are great on-the-fly lies, but they're not great overall lies. Um, he continues, Barry C. does. Uh, do you guys think that the Carmen principal plot line was a dropped point? She seemed to genuinely care for Walt in his in this episode. It felt like that they were starting to develop her as a potential love interest, especially when in the same episode Gretchen seemed to show Walt. <laughs> I love how you physically flinched. Um, no, nope. especially when in the same episode Gretchen seemed to show Walt had an attractiveness about him, implying that he hurt her and forced her into Elliot's arms. I'm glad that he never went with that because I think cheating on Skyler would have gone against how Walt was able to justify 
turning into Scarface. Uh, you think it's a drop sure. plot point? Uh, no. I don't, does, I don't think anything's there. I and also think... it does come to fruition because he Walt, kisses her, yeah. Walt responds to the IFT, to the IKC, and <laughs> Carmen's like, whoa, 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 what the... Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? So, yeah. I, I don't so think if, it's properly dropped. No, it's definitely not dropped. I think it's brought to a Although, maybe unsatisfactory conclusion, if you want to say that. I honestly thought that he was going to cheat on Scholar before everything was said and done. I thought so, too. That was yeah. the one thing that he was going to really cross the line and mm. betray his family. And they never did it. No, so, I'm kind of glad that they didn't. Yeah, in retrospect, it I, I could defend either choice, but I I liked what they what he went with. Yeah, I feel like him staying at least loyal to his family in that regard says it wasn't all about his pride, and it wasn't all about like the the reasons that he gave at the beginning. He got pretty far afield from those, but in the end, there was at least a little bit of that mixed up in what he was doing. All right, last one. Josh P. said, It was widely speculated among the Bald Move listeners that Hank's boss, Merker, was in bed with Gus. Yep. But no con- connect- connection was ever made out or outright yeah. mentioned. Let's, for the moment, assume two things. One, Merker or someone in the ABQDEA, the uh, ABQDEA, uh, was in cahoots with Gus. Two, Gus was aware of Heisenberg, possibly through a DEA mole, and has a site set on him to cook. So now Hank has taken out the largest meth dealer in the ABQ solely through luck and has a raging hard-on for this Heisenberg fella. It's pretty obvious, looking at this, that Hank's promotion to El Paso is a way to draw him off the Heisenberg-Gus trail and maybe even get him killed. Murker, however, underestimated the old Schreiden... Uh, sh- what? brow. I guess? Sh- luck? I, it said Schreider... Schreider... Bach. I don't know if he was he's like trying to make a play on Schreinerbach. I don't know. Uh Schraderbrow luck that saved Hank in El Paso and brought him back to the ABQ and allowed him to fall ass backwards into killing Tuco and catching Heisenberg. But as we all know, luck runs out and Hank is no exception. What do you think of this elaborate uh what would you call it? Conspiracy theory? If it's there, it was never conclusively proven. Uh, or conclusively addressed, and it was dropped. And if you go from what Vince Gillen explicitly says as the word of God, he never, ever, ever intended to make DEA look as anything but paragons of yep. virtue protecting Americans through from the horrors of drugs. So, Which I think I'm is unfortunate. Say, I like sure. The Wire better, where you can see that the cops are just as big of bastards as the drug dealers in some cases. Um, but that was his express intention. He wanted to show nothing but admiration and love for those guys. Yeah, it's a weird philosophy to take, given the gray nature of this entire series. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm okay with it, though. Why, why does there need to be a mole inside the DEA? It didn't seem like there did need to be one. Mm. Someone's buying all that whistle pig. Somebody is, you're right, and it's an expensive whiskey. So, And they also make the point of... Showing how extravagant Hank's house is. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much a DEA... Um, what was Hank? Like a lead investigator? At this point, he wasn't like a special agent in charge or anything. He was just a... Yeah. You know, definitely a lead investigator or like a tactical team leader or whatever. I don't know how much mm-hmm. they make and I don't know how much a radiation tech well, makes. But yeah, I wonder how much They're Marie living in makes. a multi-million dollar home in reality in Albuquerque in a very posh neighborhood. Yeah, I imagine that's a lot of that's on Marie's salary. 
I don't know. My my aunt's a radiation technologist, and she doesn't make that much money. Hmm. Okay. I mean, solid middle class, but not like. And that's the thing. Like, you don't know if they're. I mean, they got no kids. They're. That's true. They're dinks. Yeah, they're probably no kids. Yeah. Like you can live okay. pretty high off the hog on a combined income of a hundred grand if you got no kids. Yeah, for sure. So. As, as sometimes I fantasize about. <laughs> oh, uh, no. <laughs> um, anyway, that's it uh, for this uh, episode. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to Searable.com, check out their observations for Breaking Bad Peekaboo. As always, I will link that in the show notes. Um, we will be back next week for episode 207. And uh, next year, not just next week. Next year, yeah. Okay, cool. Happy New Year, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of cool, exciting things. January is going to really ramp up. February is going to be insane. We will have more podcasts than you can probably humanly keep up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got that to look forward to. Anything else, Jim? Nope, that's it. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. See you next time. <laughs>